You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 274, Are You Ready to Fight? Part 3. You know, we've been doing just a a short series on spiritual warfare, and really what kind of prompted this was just seeing everything that's going on around us in the world. The, The COVID virus, the racial tension, the anger, the lawlessness, the rioting, just so many things going on. And I think as Christians, we have to remember that everything starts in the Spirit before we even see it in the natural. And so... It's, uh, it's really important to understand our roles in this fight. This doesn't mean we don't fight for social justice. This, mean, this doesn't mean we don't fight to see that people are treated fairly. This doesn't mean that we don't fight to see the truth uh, prevail throughout our land and in you know, whatever arena that might be in. But we also understand that um, first and foremost, we fight this battle in the Spirit. And so... Um, just reading this passage of Scripture again, this is from Ephesians 6, and this is kind of what we're, we're working from. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. All right. So we've, we've talked about most of the elements of this armor, this spiritual armor that that Paul talks about. And, you know, this is an interesting passage because, you know, Paul's talking about our role as soldiers of Christ, and yet he was in prison when he wrote this. So, obviously, this is not about, um, you know, being activist, although I'm sure there's a role for that. Um, This is not about physical warfare. Um, 
But here's Paul in prison talking about what our role is as soldiers of Christ. So we're going to jump in and look at that. But before we do, I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my books, two of them, Street Cop and Street Cop 2 Reloaded. These books are true stories of my law enforcement career. I was a police officer for almost 30 years in the metro Atlanta area, um, retired as a lieutenant, and these books are stories for my own career. I don't tell anybody else's stories. These are my stories. They're true. Um, everything that, 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 that that's in these books happened exactly like I said it does. I just changed a few names and maybe cleaned up the language a little bit. But, uh, but these are true stories. And the reason I wrote these books is towards I, as I moved towards retirement, I realized that my family, my daughters, my wife, had no idea some of the stuff I've done at work. So I wanted to give them an idea of what my career had looked like over the years. And this spans really multiple decades from the 80s and then retiring um, at the end of 2011. So um, really multiple decades. I saw a lot of change, was able to do a lot of stuff. So if you want to really know what it's like, um, to be a police officer, uh, this will give you a really good idea. So check out Street Cop and Street Cop 2 Reloaded. I know you'll love them. Well, all right, we're back. So I want to kind of wrap this series up talking about the last pieces of armor. So we've talked about um, the fact that there's the belt of truth, and you know that kind of holds everything together. There's a breastplate of righteousness, which protects our heart and our vital organs. Um, the the peace, the the shoes that we wear carry God's peace. You know, where Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the children of God." So we we're not supposed to bring conflict. We're not supposed to bring um, you know really tension. We're supposed to bring peace. Um, there's the shield of faith, which Paul says we use to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. But today we're going to talk, first of all, about the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now this is closely related to the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when we talk about putting on this helmet of salvation, we're really kind of bringing to mind two thoughts here. You know, when we talk about the, the idea of salvation, becoming a Christian, you know, we're, we actually, it's an instantaneous process. Um, the theological word, word is justification. When we ask Christ into our lives, when we say, I want to be a Christian, I, you know, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, we are instantaneously saved. We're put right with God. We become righteous. Just like we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that takes place immediately. But at the same time, there's this process called sanctification that starts at the moment of salvation and it carries us through the rest of our lives. And this is what Paul's talking about when he when he talks about in Romans 12, renewing our minds, having our minds transformed and being renewed by God's Word. So, you know, you, you become a Christian instantaneously, but that doesn't mean you automatically begin to think like a Christian. And so this is a, a daily process for the rest of our lives. Sometimes I'll talk to folks and they'll say, Pastor David, why am I struggling with, with these bad thoughts? Why am I struggling with this anger? Why am I struggling with this unforgiveness? Well, 
probably because you're human and aren't perfect yet. Um, it's, a, it's a lifelong process. So salvation, justification, takes place instantly. We, we're a new person in Christ, but our minds are being renewed every single day. And this helmet of salvation, where our minds are being saved every day. We're renewing our minds. We're learning to think the right kind of thoughts. You know, every temptation starts in our heads. Every temptation starts in our minds. Every temptation starts with a thought. And by putting on the helmet of salvation, by letting God's Word renew our minds and wash it and cleanse it, we're, we're beginning to think new kinds of thoughts. We're beginning to think God's thoughts. We're beginning to align ourselves with God's Word. So the helmet of salvation is absolutely vital. And that's why we constantly are talking about um, renewing our minds and changing the way we think. Because changing the way we think will change the way we live. And then the, the second one we want to discuss today, the second weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, it's fascinating to me that the, the Word of God is described as a, as a sword. In another place in Hebrews 4, it's described as a sharp, two-edged sword, just like the, the Roman soldier would carry. It's not a club. For beating people up with, it's a sword that can um, that can provide a surgical strike when needed. God's word is the only offensive weapon that we're given, the sword of the spirit. And then the question becomes, well, well, how do I apply it? How am I supposed to use it? I mean, maybe you've been on the receiving end of somebody that was just slashing wildly with God's Word. There was no love. There was no compassion. There was judgment. There was anger. And yet they were using God's Word to, to justify that, that type of behavior. Well, we know that's not right. Um, if you look at how Jesus operated, He was very gentle in applying God's Word um, with those who didn't know Him. In fact, the only people Jesus got angry with were religious people. Um, read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus was very compassionate, very merciful with sinners. Now, he would tell them, hey, listen, time to change. Go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin behind. But he was always very compassionate. But the religious people, the religious people, he, he would get angry with. But, you know, you've you maybe been slashed through the Word of God with a sword, you know, in anger. And that's that's not good. That's not good. Is As ministers, as pastors, as leaders, as Christians... Um, we're called to apply God's Word with gentleness and with compassion and uh, mercy and grace. You know, grace always precedes truth. Grace and truth. Now, now truth can be a painful thing sometimes. Truth, uh, if you remember the classic line from uh, the Jack Nicholson movie where he said, you can't handle the truth. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can't handle the truth. But when we apply grace first... It opens our hearts, it opens our minds to receive the truth. And so one of the ways that the, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, um, becomes effective in our lives is, we, lives is we begin to meditate on it. We, we hide it in our hearts, we memorize it, we let it become a part of us. And as we said when we were talking about the helmet of salvation, we begin to think the right kind of thoughts. You know, when you look at, at Jesus, the life of Jesus, and we see his temptation in the wilderness before he started his public ministry. And the enemy came after him on multiple occasions. On multiple occasions, the enemy brought a temptation to him. And each time he said, it 
is written. The enemy would come and try and tempt him, try and attack a weak area in Jesus' life. I mean, he was hungry, he hadn't eaten in 40 days, he was weak, and the enemy would come and Jesus would, would fire back, no, 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 it is written, and he would give a passage of Scripture. And so for us, learning how to apply God's Word is so important. And sadly, <clears throat> I see too often many Christians who, who just don't spend the time in God's Word to really be able to apply it and use it. And, and this is one of those things, there's no shortcuts. You just have to spend time in God's Word. You have to read it. You have to meditate on it. You have to think about it. You have to let it uh, get inside of you. And when it gets inside of you, the Holy Spirit takes it and does His work in our lives. So the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And learning how to use our weapon is a vital, vital thing. I mean, can you imagine sending a soldier out to fight and not teaching him how to use his weapon? Um, I've got a lot of friends that were Marines, and in Marines, the, the Marines take pride in the fact that it doesn't matter if you're a cook, an infantryman, if you're a truck driver, if you're a pilot, um, or if you're in supply, every Marine is a rifleman. They all take pride in their shooting and their ability to perform under pressure and, and the ability to use their weapon. Well, as Christians, how much more so should we have God's Word in our hearts, in our minds, and know how to apply it in situations, not just in our lives, but in other people's lives. Because the truth is what sets people free. That's what Jesus said. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set people free. But when we can help people and share the truth with them in a grace-filled way, in a loving way, in a compassionate way, God's Word can help these folks get free also. So the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And then the last thing, the last thing Paul says, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying. Communicating with God. You know, this is a, is a powerful thing. Um, when an army goes out to fight, their communication system is an absolute must. If your communication system gets damaged then really you're setting yourself up for a disaster. And yet too often as Christians, we go to fight, and yet we don't know how to stay in close contact and, and stay connected with God. That's why Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Now, if, if you come from a tradition that's a Spirit-filled tradition, whether it's Pentecostal, Charismatic, or whatever, or if you just take the Bible and read it, and, and believe it, you, you understand that Paul's talking here about praying in the Spirit, the, the spiritual gift of praying in tongues and applying it, the, the, the prayer life that God gives us. And, you know, for many folks, this is a foreign idea because many churches don't teach it. But, but understanding that the, the gift of praying in the Spirit is a powerful gift, and it's the gift that allows us to pray without ceasing. What does Paul say in 1 Thessalonians 5? Pray without ceasing. In another place, he says, pray at all times. And so the way we do that is by praying in the Spirit, praying through the Spirit, letting the Spirit pray through us. And, and obviously, this is not the place or the time to, to really have a, an in-depth teaching on what praying in tongues is. But it is one of the most powerful gifts, one of the most powerful weapons in your arsenal. And even though the sword of the Spirit is our only offensive weapon, understanding that the, um, the, the ability to pray in the Spirit is a weapon in and of itself because the enemy 
is unable to understand what we're praying. So um, if, if you really want to understand more about what it means to pray in the Spirit, I would say spend some time reading through the book of Acts and reading through 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. These are the probably the most clear play passages, and also uh, 1 Corinthians 2 explains <clears throat> a lot about um, the need to bypass our minds and to pray in the Spirit, and the fact that our minds are unable to really process everything that we deal with. And so learning to pray in the Spirit is such a powerful, powerful thing. So these are the weapons of our warfare. And, you know, you and I, whether we realize it or not, are in a fight. And to be able to, to be clothed in the weapons and the, uh, the, the armor of God is such a powerful thing because that's where we find protection. That's where we find equipping. And, and, and these are things God has given us so that we can be effective soldiers in His army. Well, I'd love to know what you think about this important subject. What does spiritual warfare mean to you? Is this something you've thought about? Is it something that um, you, you, you've given some idea to? Maybe you've had some teaching or maybe you've read some books, but I'd love to know what you think about spiritual warfare and how has this helped you? Well, I'm, I'm really pumped about the next series that we're going to get into next week. You are going to love it. We're moving into the leadership realm, and uh, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about some important leadership things, but I think you're really, really going to love how we approach leadership as we uh, move into this new series. So join us next week, and uh, we will see you then on Leading and Learning. 